I'm so used to doing the commentary. I apologize. Um, we are here again, and I do apologize for last week. Um, I can tell you uh, these studies uh, have actually hit home for me. They really had caused me to pause and kind of and look at things going on in my life, um, especially when we're dealing with, um, of course, when we're dealing with sin, we're dealing with uh, fruits of the flesh. These things are very, very real um, to the Christian as much as, as, as I'm speaking it. And I think it says a lot that it's not just me speaking about these things. These things are very much tangible in my life and they're happening in my life. So, you know, as I'm sitting here studying and, and teaching these things, which basically the Lord's teaching us, because I guarantee you, I, as an educator, not very good. But as long as I trust in him and he who is in me is much greater, then, yeah, I can attempt to basically share um, what the Lord has given me and hopefully in a manner that, that's, that can be received. So as we uh, go on through, let me go ahead and get this on the screen. As we're making our way through, uh, if you're just the first time tuning in, we are dealing with fruits of the flesh. And this is in Galatians chapter five. Paul is defending his apostleship as much as, much as he is defending um, the message that he was given. And this by far is not easy for Paul because as he went to the Galatians, all of a sudden the Judaizers have come back or just or followed him pretty much. They pretty much have been dogging his tail trying to undo the work of God that he has as placed and planted in these churches. It's no different than it was happening when he was, well, in Philippians, definitely um, they embraced the works of, of Paul. They embraced what Paul had to say about the good Lord and Paul preached the gospel and they willingly, and they will, they willingly ate upon that and they stuck with it. The Galatians, on the other hand, is right at that cusp, that middle side. So you have some believing, some not. And that is a problem because when Judaizers come in, they're bringing the old law, works of the flesh, as if those things can be united with Christ and they can't. There is no way to unite those two together. It does not work. It can never work. It will never work because it can't. It's either you're going to be justified by the law or it's going to be by what? The grace that God has given through Christ. There is no joining. There's no good deeds along with like I've earned my keep to go to heaven and I also accept Christ. There is no works on any of that. It's either you repent and believe and let that be done and let that be said or nothing at all. Because as we know, no man can fulfill the Ten Commandments. Those ten perfect things that exposed all of man to the flesh, the fleshly uh, condemnation that we're under. Now, what hit me about the, the flesh is we always got to go back here to verse 13. I hope you see that on the screen. For you are called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, 
but through love serve one another. Right there, when we go down to verse 17 and see, for the flesh sets its desires against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. If we even lean into slightly what the world wants to, wants us to to try to live and ex, and explore to your own truth do your own truth what would happen is quite dangerous we would be listening to this. look listen to the the fruits of the flesh and see if we can compare that to verse 13 but if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Again, here's the Judaizers saying, well, you know, the law is still you, you have to serve. You got to do the Mosaic law and what the Pharisees have brought up and what the scribes have brought up. We still have to do the sacrifices. Christ is the last of all of the things of the Mosaic law. He fulfilled what no man could. Now you got the Judaizers saying, well, technically, isn't that just like religion? Oh, it's the boys club. Isn't it just like them that now they have what? There's a caveat. Yes, faith in Christ is essential, but, 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 but wait a minute. We got this law right here and we've got to follow that too, which will get you killed. Let me tell you, there ain't a religion on this earth that you could ever join or outside of it. If it ain't in Christ, it won't get you saved. There is no personal beliefs. There is no good deeds. There's not enough works you can do to cleanse your blood of all the foul spiritual uh, condemnation that comes with being a sinner. The fact that if we fail to, to uh, even understand that the things that we have in verse 17 for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit. It's natural, and it's scary to say this, it's natural for the human man or woman and woman to hate God. It's natural. It is as it is as American, because I can speak for speaking in here, America, as apple pie and baseball and football and all the sports and things, all the traditions. That's how much we hate God. So much so we woven God into our country as if we put him on a dollar bill in God. We trust. Uh, can I have 10 on 10 on pump nine? Can we do these things in verse 13? Can we serve one another? Can we exercise our freedom by using any of these things? Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, and factions. If you do any of these things, which is up the past videos in the Bible study, you will not be able to serve one another. You will not, as 14 says, you shall love your, your neighbor as yourself for the whole law is fulfilled in that one statement. How you go love your neighbor as yourself when you're too busy disputing things, when you're speaking down on what? Authority. When you're bucking the system because even though it does work for everybody, you have a better idea. That man don't deserve leadership. I deserve that leadership. How can we serve one another and love one another if we are using outbursts of anger? 
You know, that right there, the outburst of anger, imagine beating your own self up. Remember in Liar Liar where Jim, Jim Carrey was beating himself up in the, in the bathroom and the guy goes, what's wrong with you? He says, man, I'm kicking my own butt. Imagine if you can beat yourself up, it would be the equivalent of what? If you could beat somebody else up. You know how many men have justified and justify the abuse of their wives through physical violence as well as emotional violence, spiritual violence. Oh, she deserved it. She wasn't acting right. She needs discipline. Every punch, kick, sour word that you say against your wife is how you attack yourself. That's why marriage is one of the most sacred things on this earth. God saw to it that the very first covenant that has ever been built before Adam even could name Eve was marriage. Adam went to sleep single, woke up married. And what did he say? Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. Those how you go? How's Adam going to serve and call those things flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone if he's also taking the whoop to her? He's taking the lash to her, whether it's emotionally, uh, verbally, mentally, or physically. You can't do that. You can't serve your wife if you're beating her down. You can't serve your brother if you're beating him down. That outburst of anger, man, that, that covers a lot of ground. Listen to this. How can you serve one another when you have jealousy? You see them, you know, you've probably experienced, if you, if any one of you guys want to decide that, you know, none of these things I've suffered with, you'd be lying to yourself. Everyone has, has felt some of all these things. Let me ask you something. Anybody had any one night stands? You got some immorality right here. I got that on aisle two. Anybody was a virgin before and then after they became deflowered, you got that impurity. You got that on aisle four. What about sensuality? Watching porn, watching Instagram, watching TikTok, everybody's scantily clad. You start drooling and looking and any of that? Sensuality? Uh oh, that's behind the counter. We keep that close to the counter. That's right up there with the, that's right up there with the chewing gum. Necessary. Idolatry, as I call the God maker. When you look at yourself in the mirror, when you look at your selfies, and and I've done both. You're sitting there going, look how amazing and marvelous I am. Giving them affirmations to yourself. I affirm that I am wise, healthy, and all other stuff you're saying. That's idolatry. You see, idolatry doesn't just concern itself with worshiping false gods. It is absolutely turning that also to man. Do we need to take a little trip? to Romans. I think we do. Because I had someone try to argue me that argue that to me and I'm sitting there going, man, uh, am I, is it just me or did the Bible just ignore this dude? But as we look here, let's look. Here we go. For even they knew God, but they did not honor God. Him as God or give thanks that they became futile in their speculations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools 
and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds, four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. That's where you get the, the objects. Oh, your spirit animal is the wolf. Oh, I get all that. Then you also got a man sitting there. Oh, in religion, many of them have this this, this pillar of, of what their religion stands for. They have their own Captain America. They got their own Avengers in every single religion. There is somebody that they regard or a group of men that they regard that that's our protectors of the faith. That men ain't nobody. That men are nobody. You could pull a, you could pull somebody off the street and stick them in there and it would be the same. It, it would equal the same. None of them men have any power. None of them men have ever done anything, ever, if, guess what? If they are serving a religion, you can't serve religion in God. Can't do it. Idolatry is religion. Theology are the prophets of that religion. They are against God because they made their own. You got the white God that hates Jews and the Reformed theology, Lutherans, and, and who else do we got? We got a, we got a few more up there. Um, the Roman Catholicism has some anti-Semitism with it as well. They got their own gods. You got the God with that, that Mary's sitting with. You got that God. You got, and you got the triune God, that fake God. Let me tell you, that's been a lie that's been around long as Halloween. Well, a little bit, probably Halloween be a little bit long. But that God has been there. And he's stolen from the, from the God of Hindu. All the, yes, that's what we do as humans. We copycat, repost, repaint, and all of a sudden it's brand new. It's like taking the 19, 1960s, 70s Batman and then putting George Clooney as the Batman. And it's brand spanking new. It happens all the time. Idolatry is the God maker. So that way, guess what? They can decide what is good we know our god is totally okay with what we're doing here so come up out that wallet the bible not a concern what is a concern is them church bylaws Ooh, them bylaws baby you have got to make sure them bylaws are in place we got that westminster confession over there that's just as equally important as our Bible, when it's nothing but man trying to show, look, look at what we all agree with. You mean what this particular sect believes in? Oh, there is a lot of gods for everything. 45,000 denominations worldwide and counting. They are as 45,000 Jesuses, 45,000 gods, 45,000 Holy Spirits, and twice the number of apostles. That's idolatry, man. Is disgusting and as wicked as you can find. It is the nastiest thing that you would ever run across. And guess what? My little self was partaking in it for many years. Yes, yes, me. And I stood up to it. And not only that, it allowed me and gave me the freedom to decimate my marriage. Oh, I hid behind religion when I was being, when I was fornicating and committing adultery, when I was committing immorality, impurity, sensuality. Oh, yes. And I said, long as I served in this, this, as long as I served the God of this religion, I know I'm forgiven. Never realizing God's going, that, that ain't me. 
you still got to deal with me, son. Even after I was saved, I'm still dabbling in that religion. That idolatry is a monster, man. Let me tell you, it creates monsters. It creates gods. It creates kings. Then we have sorcery. That's the weaving of narratives, mind you, because ain't no spells on this earth. Look, you would definitely, you could find witches on TikTok, but you, that would be equally as much as you can find one flying on a broomstick. None of it's real. None of it's real. It's as genuine as polyester is genuine. Just that simple. It is as biodegradable <laughs> as a, a, you don't know something funny? So, I just learned because my, my daughter wants to, uh, she wants to uh, basically build a artificial limb that is not only uh, biodegradable, but also lighter and more, you know, more flexible and more attentive, intuitive to the user that lost to the amputee. Did you know that the current state of limbs that we're using at the, uh, the, the false limbs, I know there's a technical name for it right now. It escapes me. I apologize. Did you know those things are not biodegradable? The hooks, the hands, the arm, the leg, all those things, that goes into a landfill. It looks like landfill full of body parts out there, and it's not biodegradable. Pretty amazing stuff that I learned about that. We also have enmities. We got strife. We got jealousy. And most important, I also we can't, can't forget factions. Battle lines have been drawn. Battle lines have been drawn for a reason. You over there, I'm a Baptist, you a Roman Catholic. I'm Protestant, you Roman Catholic. That's Islam, I'm black Hebrew Israelite, you a that all these battle lines and everyone is scratching to try to get to the hypocritical pile to be the number one hypocrite. That flat out robs and steals means dreams and hopes and anything out there. Because when you got your religion behind you, you can do wonders. Until that immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, decisions, and factions come in between that. Your reputation is tarnishing all the work of this religion. You got to go. Because the religion has to continue to carry on because that's the money maker. Do you realize how many theologians would be unemployed if nobody was buying them whack books that they put out? If they didn't trust and believe and have people believing that that religion is real? Idolatry is a monster, man. But now we come to the most weaponized, the most dangerous the one fruit of the flesh that we all share in the devil himself. We are talking about the most destructive weapon that has struck down many of men, whether great or small. You got homicide detectives that investigate dead bodies and, and find, try to find missing people due to this one fruit of the flesh it is more dangerous than all the things we just discussed today because you know why it embodies all of them let me tell you something it's the one fruit of the flesh that everyone everyone can say if they've been a victim of 
or perpetrated. Now, I'm not saying that you might be that guy or girl, but this is all about searching yourself and looking at yourself honestly. Examine yourself. Do you have any of this in you? Let me tell you something. There's not one of these fruits of the flesh that I don't identify with to say, yeah, that was me. That definitely is on my cross. We are talking about verse 21, none other than envying. All envy. Wait a minute, Eric, isn't that like jealousy? No, not by biblical standards. Very similar, but not by biblical standards. Let's go ahead and see if it'll actually let. There we go. So when we look at Strong's, we see, let's see if I can butcher this. <clears throat> zealous. We get the word zealous. Look at that. Excitement, mind, ardor, fervor of spirit. Zeal in behalf of a person. Jealousy. Not the same, is it? But yet just as dangerous. I will guard my family jealously with the kind of fervor that I'll decimate and do anything it takes to protect them. Including if that means I got to wipe out the whole neighborhood. Hey, that don't make no, why would you have to wipe out the whole neighborhood? That's what it takes to keep my family safe. There are people who jealously guard their religions. Jealously guards their truths. You got people that are weaponizing Islam. With that kind of, don't you, don't you understand? You got to jealously defend God against these infidels. You got Mormons jealously defending their faith to go out and try to steal others' faith from, from God himself. To go, they believe in a fake sci-fi channel God that they got. Oh, it's a little different, but envy. No, no, envy is different. Envy is a scalpel. Envy is precision because what it does is, you know exactly what it does. You're forward thinking people. Let's look at what the strong says. And now we go, to, I'm going to tear this up. So let's see. <clears throat> it doesn't say Thanos, but it sure does kind of look like Thanos. Thanos, maybe. That's close enough. I'm sure I butchered that. But notice it says jealousy, but there's a word right there. Spite. All spite. Let's do. I'm gonna look over here on my second screen. I'm I'm acting like I'm all fancy over here. Let's look up the word spite definition. The desire to hurt someone. Envy. That's a strong and destructive word. And guess what? It is part of the fruit of the flesh. And guess what? We all, well, I can't say all because you got to examine yourself. Let me just raise my hand and get it out the way because I can identify with envy very well. How dangerous is it? I'm glad you asked. It's so dangerous that Cain killed Abel. How dangerous is it? It allowed the, jo the Jacob and the Joseph boy. To not only be a victim of it, but also perpetrate it. Oh, we also have Paul, who there are people preaching the gospel in spite of Paul, because they don't like him. Jealous of his power and position, even though he doesn't have any. He tried to explain, I'm just a servant, I'm just a do-loss, I'm a slave, I'm just doing what I'm called. But old Ed Paul thinks he's the best thing in the universe. Well, I'm going to preach the gospel better than him. That's in Philippians. 
How dangerous is envy? Miriam almost died at the hands of God because they believe her and Aaron. Can't God talk with us? We're Look at Moses. He married that black woman. He can't be that good. Is he the only one hearing God? Almost got them killed. Korah's rebellion. Here's a man that believed and with others that Moses, you've been leading too long. You got too much power. Mm -mm. It's time. It's my turn. And the very earth opened up and killed and swallowed all that followed him. That's a lot of particular sinkholes on that one. And they went down. It was over. You know, it is also that that very weapon that saw Jesus crucified. All when Jesus came and was speaking with wisdom that only God could give the Pharisees and the scribes and the lawyers, which is the same thing, was up in arms. I can't believe that this carpenter's boy didn't even want to refer to him by name. Ain't that, ain't that Joseph's boy? A carpenter is going to teach us the Ivy League, the most smart the most elegant, the most well-spoken, the righteous. Yeah, that carpenter's boy felt, guess what? He got hit with that envy, got him killed. So much so that guess what? When Pilate didn't want to convict Jesus of a crime because Jesus was not guilty of a crime, he said, maybe I'll put something up. How much envy does this take? He says, I'm going to put up Hannibal Lecter and Adolf Hitler. And I'm going to bring Jesus up here. And clearly, the, I'm going to set, look, I'll set these two people free or Jesus free. You got a terrorist and a genocidal maniac and the savior of humanity. And what did the crowd choose? They chose two. They chose to let Hitler and every other evil man, and man they let who was Barabbas, who was a known terrorist and murderer. They would rather let him loose than the savior of humanity. That's how much envy and hatred and what all of these fruits of the flesh is the culmination of. You see, it, it's a killer. Because it, ha it taps into that I deserve. I deserve to be happy. Why are they doing so well? I deserve to have the same thing as that marriage over there. How is that marriage being successful and I'm not? Why is my marriage broken and theirs isn't? It can be that promotion. You. How did he get that promotion? Why did she get that promotion? She's just a woman. I have worked hard for that. This guy just walked in off the street and got that job. I've been here 20 years. In the sake of Cable and Cain and Abel. Abel brought all of his, all of what he could to the Lord, brought his first fats, his first things, the things that everybody else would want to keep. Well, I'm, I got to keep this new iPhone, but I'm going to go ahead and give God that flip phone because I don't use it no more. But he'll appreciate it. So Cain did. That envy that came when God regarded Abel's sacrifice and looked at Cain's and went, yeah, maybe try next week. And whoa, Cain was so full of anger, planned and committed the first murder by his own hand, killed his own brother because of spite. 
the desire to harm someone. Now, look, we're sophisticated people. We don't have to harm nobody with guns and knives. No, that's for the that's for the stuff that's on the TV shows. That's for stuff in the newspaper. That's stuff that happens over there. No, no, we're more sophisticated. We wouldn't dare take someone's life. We would just take their promotion. We'll attack their reputation. We'll set them up. We'll knock them down and plead innocent. Oh, what happened to you? Now, if you ever read the book Othello, you get it. That is like the tragic tale of all. The one person you didn't think. The one person that when you look back and say, that dude, that's the dude that's been burning me up this whole time. Oh, that's why you hear that. What, what, what's that one saying that we all love? Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Why? Because they're the one plotting. They're the one going, what, wait a minute, time out. I've been a Christian for 20 years. How was this upstart? Go teach me about the Bible. And I, he wasn't even alive when I got saved. All of a sudden, now he's teaching the church. It can go a lot of ways. It goes in the NFL. I've been here 10 years. Now they hired this fresh, shiny quarterback, this guy with a leg or an arm out of nowhere. It happens in politics, that 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 guy that the whole nation is behind. And I've been doing all this hard work for years. We all have something that we can relate to in that one, if you examine yourself, that is. Now, you may not, I'm being honest, you may not have that envy. I ain't never been envious of anybody. You have never had a desire to see one harmed. You mean killed? No. Paid back. You know, that, 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 see, that's a little sensitive. We don't want to talk about that, but we got to talk about it. You mean when someone has done you dirty and you see them skidding off scot-free, you don't tell me you want to see them suffer? They should get, the, they should get that justice. They should, karma should be doing a lot more damage. I, why did they just get away with bloody murder? All oh, that's part of spite. See, the word envy, we got the definition of the world's term and we got the biblical version of it. It's the pure, unadulterated truth of what it means to want to see someone else's demise. And it's real easy to see it when they've harmed you. Why do you think forgiveness is so tough? Why do you think forgiveness is, is one of the hardest things to do? Sure, people can say, oh, I forgive you. And guess what? They can remind you of all the things that you've done bad. Oh, they can remember everything. I'm talking about they pulling out everything. They went into the they went into the 24 hour so storage to pull out the things that you've done. And you sitting there thinking, oh well, maybe things go get better. Mm -mm. They reminding themselves just how bad you are. And the fact that you got away with something doesn't work. So now we're gonna look at it. We no, we gotta go back to a biblical story because it's not enough that we uh that we hear it, we got to see it in action. And this is probably one of the most famous stories that we all know about. Uh, let me, we're going to have to go back to our boy. We're going to have to go way back. Let's see. Here we go. All right. We are actually going to go back to Gen. We're going to the way back machine. We are going to Genesis. And we're going to go to 36. Look at me. I'm way down, way down there. Look how crazy I am. All right. 
And now we these are the records. This is how this is this this is how specific the Israelites are, even to this day. They can trace their lineage down to the last guy that Uncle Jethro, that's the guy with the tightest two laces to the left and was always and walked with a limp. Yeah, we remember him. They keep track of their generation. They know who's in the family and they know who's not in the family. Now, I will save us because this is a lot to discuss here. But it's important to know, and I read this because it's important. But listen to this. Now, Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned and traveled to in the land of Canaan. These are the records of the generations of Jacob. Joseph, when 17 years of age, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. While he still a youth, along with the sons of Bilai, the sons of Zilpah, and his father's wives, and Joseph brought back a bad report about them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a very colored what? What does he have? The coat of many colors. You know that story. That's a big one. His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers. And so they hated him and could not speak to him in a friendly manner. Now, you know what that means. We see envy right there. But Eric, hold up. Did, didn't Israel just cause that? Yes, he did. He took favoritism. He loved that boy because I had him in my old age. That's the baby. That's the baby. All them middle children right there all of a sudden. Yeah, he loved them, but not like Joseph. Oh, he loves some Joseph. So listen to this. Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He's, he had a dream, and he woke up and said, Brothers, hold up, man. I got to, who? I got to, y'all got to sit down. I got to tell you this dream. And after he told it, they sitting there just blowing up in their face. Face just red, fist balled up, maybe internally. You know, they want to they let that out because that's kind of important. They don't want to just, just let it free because they don't want to admit they can't stand Joseph. But listen to this. He said to them, please listen to this dream which I've had. Here's Joseph just, just telling his dream. Please listen, brothers, don't laugh. This is, this is interesting. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And lo, my sheep rose up and stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheep. First of all, before we get done, what is a sheaf? Uh, ooh, look at that word. Um, alumov, alum. N not too bad. I'm sure I butchered that. His sheaf as something bound? You should buy book. That doesn't help us out at all. So we're going to go to Google. Because, you know, ain't nothing wrong with going to Google. And for the sake of time, we could go through the Bible and tear that thing up to find out what it is. But it's best to see it for what it is. A bundle of grain stalks laid lengthwise and tied together after reaping. So Joseph just had a dream that a, binded up, a bundle of grain stood up. And his brother's bundles of grain stood up and then they bowed down. That is a wild dream. But guess what? They knew. Listen to this. Then his brother said to him, are you actually going to reign over us? Or are you really going to rule over us? 
So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. Man, he we we ain't even got out, we ain't got to verse 10 yet, and they can't stand their own brother. Then he told them a dream that had a lot of symbolism, and they knew exactly what it means. Hold up, time out. You're the baby. You gonna tell us what to do? Or you go demand and command us what to do? What's it gonna be, little brother? Are you gonna be benevolent? Or are you going to be malevolent? Now, listen to this. Now, he had still another dream and related it to his brothers and said, Lo, check this out. I have had still another dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. He related it to his father and to his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow ourselves down before you to the ground? His brothers was jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. Boy, what you come here telling me all that craziness? That we all go worship you like you, like you the greatest thing since goat milk in the back. Boy, you lost your mind. You don't know what you're talking about. However, he also said, huh, I wonder what, what does all that mean? Because Joseph ain't known to have these wild dreams. That ain't Joseph. Joseph don't have them crazy dreams that we just heard him say right now. So maybe, just maybe, there's something to that. Listen to this. So, Brothers, guess what? So the brothers are jealous of them. They ain't happy with them by far. As three types of kind of man, they, they not only mad at him, then they're jealous too. And the dad had to rebuke him. So now you can tell the brothers in a fever pitch at this point. They can't stand him. We talking about that kind of stuff TMZ will report. That kind of stuff that would meet, that would be, be on all them old talk shows. So, you know, ring that bell. We're going to bring them out. You're not the father. We're talking about that kind of scandal. So then his brothers went to the pasture of their father's flock in Shechem. Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers pasturing the flock in Shechem? Come and I will send you to them. And he said to him, I will go. Then he said to him, go now and see about their welfare, your brothers and the welfare of the flock and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron and he came to Shechem. So he's like, where them boys? Ain't they supposed to be at Shechem with them sheep? Joseph, come here. I want you to go check on your brothers. All right, Dad, I'm going to go check it out. Go on up, check on them boys, and then let me know what happened. And guess what? So here we go. A man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field, and the man asked him, what are you looking for? He said, I'm looking for my brothers. Please tell me where they are pasturing the flock. And the man said, they have moved from here, for I heard them say, let us go down to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. He found dude wandering in the field. Hey, you see my brothers? Yeah, they went over there, man. Just uh, turn left at that goat. And then you got two haystacks and that drunk on the corner. And you turn right, they right there. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate you. Because they didn't have GPS back then. They didn't have Google Maps. They didn't have Siri, Bixby, or nothing else. They had to go that old school route. Yeah, you remember that? Remember that lady with the one leg? So she's always standing outside. When you see her, look to your right. And there it is right there. That's the bakery. So listen to this. When they saw him from a distance and before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. They saw Joseph. Oh. 
Oh, that is how we go kill him. This that fast. This is the opportunity. They away from home. Ain't nobody around. And they go put their brother to death. The baby. And what has Joseph done? Nothing. Sound familiar with Christ, isn't it? Nothing. He did nothing wrong at all. Period. Unless that, that coat, which could look tacky by today's standards. I'm just saying a lot of colors. But that ain't his fault either. So listen to this. Here, listen, they even did was 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 nasty with him. Here comes the dreamer. I had a dream. Here he comes. Oh, there was a lot of black folk, black men and uh, uh, preachers and whatnot that was just jealous and mad at Martin Luther King. Uh, Jesse Jackson was one of them. Don't let him tell you something different. But it always happens when you got a little bit of something, when God is pushing you, getting you to handle things that is necessary. There's always, and you might have experienced this, when somebody goes, he don't deserve that. She don't deserve all that power. Why not me? I'm the one with the education. Listen to this. So as we keep going, but Reuben heard this and rescued him out of their hand. Now, here's a brother that, yes, heard all of the nastiness going on. But Reuben said, man, I can't. That's my baby brother. I can't do that to him. So listen to this. Now, then come and let us kill him and throw him in one of these pits. And we will say a wild beast devoured him. Then let us see what will become of his dreams. Then you can see it. You can see them, right? Let's beat him up, tear him down, kill him, and throw him in one of these pits over here. And we're going to see if he can dream himself out of that situation. Listen to this. Listen to, listen, listen to Reuben, the voice of reason. But Reuben heard this and rescued him out of their hands and said, let us not take his life. We don't kill our little brother. Reuben further said to him, shed no blood. Throw him into the pit that is in the wilderness, but do not lay hands on him that he might rescue him out of, his, of their hands to restore him to his father. What did he say? I want to be able to rescue my brother. Here's the voice of reason. Don't kill him. Just throw him in there. Throw him in that hole. And Reuben said, man, and when they gone, I'll come back and rescue him. Now, I don't know if this was Reuben's way of currying favor. I would like to know that Reuben was just sparing his little brother from a fate that he didn't deserve. I would love to know that. I don't know what was in Reuben's heart. Neither do you. But it seems to be Reuben cares about his little brother. And why am I sure about that? Because there's nothing to the letter or in, in this writing that would say otherwise. Because as you can see, God's very detailed. He didn't leave nothing out. Everything is there, which is to be said. So there's no room for Reuben to be. Oh, he's just doing that to curry favor. So listen to this. But when Reuben heard this and rescued him out of their hands and said, let us not take his life. Reuben further said to them, shed no blood, throw him into this pit that is in the wilderness, but do not lay hands on him. Listen to it, that he might rescue him out of their hands. He's he saying that to himself, I'm going to rescue them uh, out of their hands. Or is he trying to get them to say, hey, we rescued him out of there. But that doesn't make sense either, though, because they're the one pushing him in there. So let's keep watching and see what Reuben's heart really is. Verse 23, so it came about when Joseph reached his brothers. Now, you would think between verse 18 to now verse 23, that sounded like a whole board meeting and designing and to trap and kill their little brother. This whole important designed conversation that was about a man's life. Jo by the time Joseph walked up there, he didn't even realize his life 
was in danger at one point to get killed. So he rolled up. So it came about when Joseph reached his brothers, they stripped Joseph of that, that tunic, that multicolored tunic that was on him, and they took him and threw him into the pit. Now the pit was empty without any water in it. Notice it was not a threat in that. It, there was no water in it. There was nothing to harm him. Amen. That means he was what? Not going to be harmed. Because if he was, it would have been in there and he would have died. Reuben knew that. So they threw him in that pit that's empty, had nothing in it to harm him. Then they sat down to eat a meal and they raised their eyes and looked behold and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites was coming to Gilead, coming from Gilead with their camels bearing an aromatic gum and balm and myrrh. They smelled Bed Bath and Beyond. They smelled Avon. They smelled some of the greatest oils ever made. They smelled Martha Stewart cooking fried chicken. And they were like, wait a minute. Oh, it's them Ishmaelites. And guess what? Now remember, they're also having a hearty meal while they brother in a hole. There's some cold, callous brothers. This, Cinderella ain't got none of this story. These are some cold brothers. They stripped him, threw him in a hole, and they sat down and eat like it ain't no big deal. And these are his brothers. So listen to this. Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it? For us to kill our brother and cover up his blood. Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. For he is our brother, our own flesh, and his brothers listen to him. Look at Judah now, got a little bit of Reuben in him. Not enough, because he said, look, we ain't going to kill him. We're going to make some money off. We're going to sell him into a slave. Maybe we can get a little bit for him. He is our brother. He is our blood. I don't want to do that to him. I know y'all y'all don't want to hurt him either. Reuben, you did the right thing. You told us not to put him down. We didn't put him down. And they didn't. So listen to this. Then some Midianite, Midianite traders passed by. So they pulled him up and lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. That's 10 less than what Jesus was sold for. Thus they brought Joseph into Egypt. Now, Reuben returned to the pit and behold, Joseph, wait a minute, time out, Reuben wasn't there? Oh man, they did Reuben dirty. So when, Ju when Reuben returned to the pit, behold, Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his garments. That's, and that, that is definitely what would happen in the, in, in the days where you were so beside yourself. You know, when some people beat their chest, I do that when I'm upset, I'm mad, it, people you punch walls, in this case, it was the, the expression of ripping your tunic, ripping your, your clothes in, just in panic, fright, and dismay. It was a, a very big thing. It'd be the equivalent of punching a wall or screaming at the top of your lung. This is despair. So he returned to his brothers and said, the boy is not there. As for me, where am I to go? So they took Joseph's tunic and slaughtered a male goat and dipped the tunic in the blood. Time out, where's my brother? What am I supposed to do now with this plan? How's this plan going to work? Uh, quick, grab that, grab that rainbow, that rainbow tunic. They put some blood on it. And guess what? Listen to this. we um, he returned to his brothers and said, the boy is not there for as for what am I, where am I going to go? So they took Joseph's tunic and slaughtered a male goat, and dipped the tunic in the blood. And they sent the valley, very colored tunic and brought it to their father and said, we found this. Please examine it to see whether it is your son's tunic or not. 
Then he examined it and said, it's my son's tunic. A wild beast devoured him. Joseph was surely been torn to pieces. So Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. Then all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, surely I will go down to hell, that's Sheol, in mourning for my son. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold him to Egypt to Potiphar, Pharaoh's officer, the captain of the bodyguard. And that's where we got to leave it today. Think about this from what we've seen what envy can do. Envy almost got Jacob killed. Then it got him sold into slavery. Then it created a lie. So that way, guess what? They can cover up that he's gone. And then they have the audacity to feel sorry for their father for weeping over your boy, thinking that he, they said that our brother's dead and the whole family's trying to comfort him. And then brothers that sold him are the same ones sitting there going, Pop, it'll be all right. They didn't give a damn about Joseph no more. That is what envy can do. Envy. Again, one of the most dangerous weapons that will ever be wielded against you or you can wield to someone else. And again, it's very particular. Some folks, I, I got to try to believe, don't have envious hearts. Or maybe you haven't been tested yet on that one thing that you really wanted and coveted and it got away. Who married your high school sweetheart? Who married that girl or that man that you wanted? Oh, if you dig deep, there's somebody that had, guess what, some, some love in that. If they wanted, you might have wanted something from them. Oh, we've all suffered somewhere in there. I'm going to tell you right now, envy was on my plate just as much as any good tasting steak. I used a lot of it, and I've done a lot of damage. You know, uh, Pierce said in one of the comments, and I love that brother. He said a beautiful thing. He said uh, that I've seen divorce has decimated my marriage, decimated a lot of his life. And I can relate to that. I decimated my marriage like with a nuclear bomb. All the culmination of what I am destroyed that thing. And guess what? Even in that, I still carried envy. How come that dude's marriage made it? And he's done far worse. How has that man desired? He's done far worse. Even in that, I still looked at someone else's marriage and said, I deserve what they got. They ain't been through half the stuff me and my wife's been through. And I ain't no longer with her. I can't even get next to her. But that dude can cheat on his wife for 50 years and she just stays with him in law. Loyal, that is. I'm talking my country anger. What, what could I be like if God didn't forgive me and change my heart? You know, it's one thing to talk about Christ. It's another to live out that faith that we have in him that transforms us to where we can act with a new nature. You know, when we look at people and we have that, that, that envious soul, we have that, or, or the, uh, what, what other words we got here? When we have the, the, the factions, we have the immorality, the impurity, the jealousy, we have all those things. Those are things that Christ put to death 
in himself. The things that condemned us for us utilizing and using all those fleshly things, which in this world, some of those things look like virtues. Factions, you just trying to protect your family. Impurity, sensuality, and immorality, you just loving who you want. Oh, jealousy. You know what, man? Look, you should have had that. Outbursts of anger, you have a right to be mad. All oh, these are virtues in the world. But in heaven and in God's eyes, these things are destructive. And they all carry the same murderous intent. They kill you completely. They ravage this world daily. Many people lean into these things with full force and heart because it is part of their lives. I, I'm going to go ahead and get it out the way right now. I raised my hand. I did it. And I would be a liar if I say I haven't had outbursts of anger just recently. I'd be a liar if I tell you I didn't experience envy just recently. But that's the difference. I know that even though those things come up, I have the strength that Jesus gives because I ain't got no strength to stop myself from feeling it. I've got to lean on Christ to say, man, look, I should not have that. I need to learn to celebrate in other people's successes, not wallow in what I don't have that I think I deserve. You know, my brother, Rob, always says, man, when you're feeling at your worst, go serve. You know, it's hard to serve someone when you're envious of them. It's hard to serve when they have all the things that you desperately want to have, a chance of reconciliation, a chance to get it right. But you don't. It's easy to develop a resentment for the things out there that how come they get to do it and I can't. Oh, there's some envy, even in Christianity, to the point of how come I can't do that thing without getting held accountable? Let me tell you an envy that I suffer with daily. Because since it, we family, it's just us, just me and you, it's family, we can share this. You know, I always ask myself, why is it me that I have to toe the line with this Bible? Why is it when I want to be angry, I got to remember that person I'm angry with don't deserve it? Why do I have to feel like, and this is how selfish I am with going through this process, by the way. Why do I have to remember the Bible when somebody's cussing me? They cussing me out five ways from Friday. And I know I got the words to tear them apart. Why do I got to turn the other cheek? That ain't even my best side. Oh, it's selfish, isn't it? But I ask myself that and I ask God why. Everybody else can just feel what they want and say that you behind it. God, they can say, God, they protected me from you, Eric, and blah, blah, blah. I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, I can't even do that. That's real, man. I'm telling you, that's real, real, real talk with you. Genuine. And guess what I get reminded of? Guess what I get reminded of? And it takes all the starch out of my noodles. It makes me feel about that big when the Lord says, guess what? What do you think he says in that, in that process when I'm sitting there going, why well, I got to carry this? It ain't fair. How come they can do all that other stuff? I got to act like this dude that just lets people just walk all over me, things of that nature. But you know what? You know what God tells me in them days? It could be different. You could not have a new nature that wants to serve and be that guy. 
And it that blows me away every time. The fact that I'm selfish reminds me of why I want to do those things. Why I want to help and congratulate and clap and be happy for someone. Why when I, even a conversation, as small as it may be, even if it goes south, the fact that God, God even allowed the conversation to happen, I'm, ta- I'm, I'm taking great joy in it. Even if on the surface doesn't look like nothing was made, I, again, the Lord promised and I was able to dis- demonstrate something that uh, uh, come in the conversation that someone deserves. They deserve to be heard. They deserve to be loved. They deserve to be respected. They deserve to be to be admired for the, all the good qualities, not the bad things they've done. Oh, when I get in them selfish ways, I realize that's not Eric anymore. Well, it is Eric. It's just the dead Eric that you see every day. This flesh, these thoughts, that new man. That new man, and I always promise we'll get to that because there's definitely some things I can't even describe. Like, what's it like to have a double nature? One that is truly working for God and the other that's trying to destroy me and try to keep bring Eric back from the grave. When God calls his own, we don't even recognize our name anymore because it ain't the name we even got on our birth certificate. It is the name that we got when we rose from death in Christ. To where death is the last transition to shed this flesh and finally walk as a true, a true being that will stand, can stand in front of God thanks to Christ and be able to call out him as father. There's not a day that goes by. I don't say, father, why am I going through this? I got it good. I'm going to be straight up honest. I got it good. I may be away from my family, but they're in relative good health. They're still prospering. I, I see... I, I see a daughter getting things done. I, I see the company I work for getting things done. There's a lot of positive progress going on. I don't have to wallow in what's not working for Eric, but when I can enjoy what's working for others. It is so strange to sit here and tell you I gain joy from watching others prosper, heal, get a little bit stronger each day. Being able to walk a little bit further in their struggles. I get to say that. And it genuinely feel good. While that old nature going. What's wrong with you dog? You deserve better than that. I got to hear that every day. As my father tells. And I love what he told me. I wake up an atheist and go to sleep a Christian every day. I That is correct. Every day I wake up mad at God. Another day I got to exercise these principles in the Bible that are definitely something I got to live by. And when that first customer comes in, all that old nature just just melts away. And I'm like, what can I do? How can I help? How can I serve someone? Service is an amazing. My wife used to say that all the time. Service is is a beautiful thing. Humbles the heart, definitely gives you humility and teaches you lessons. Sir, and I used to I used to clown her on that. Ah, oh, you don't need to do all that kind of stuff. But she was doing that to do what? To not only teach herself, but to teach the babies. Service. We go right back to what? Um, we go all, ooh, I almost closed the thing. We go right back to that, that, the beautiful Galatians. Serve one another. You know, I'll leave you with this. There's something my wife used to tell me. And and I, I would do it, but I'd also disconnect everything. When she said, don't ever seem lean back in your chair like I've arrived. 
we all as Christians are still trudging our way through the Christian life because we have carried this war against God for so long that it's hard for us to comprehend that we're at peace with him through Christ. It's hard, but it's very true. I want to close it here and say thank you for putting up with the weakness of my flesh when I wasn't able to get on last week. But I'm telling you, these things were hitting home as they should. You know, when I hear people, when I hear that preacher get up, I don't know who this message is for. Then don't tell nobody. Don't you know, just put everybody's business out there. This, These teachings or lessons are teaching me more than anything else. And to realize that I recognize my, myself in these things, it, it's tough. Let me tell you, it's tough. But I want to, I, it's kind of a, I want to say cathartic, because that, that would mean like it's self-serving. It feels pretty good to be able to talk to you about the things that I, that I struggle with, but I've also been freed by. To give you just a, a taste and a sample of just what goes on in a real Christian life. Because it's not all carbon copy and all the stuff you see, all the pageantry and all that. It is we are grinding out right next to you. We are struggling just as much and sometimes even more because we are faced with that dichotomy that we're knowing we're living with the very being and old nature that got me killed that was at war with God. And that thing is still there. So I want to I love you very much. I will see you guys soon. I'm closing out the podcast. And then, of course, I want to see what's going on in the uh in the chat so i love you very much i'll see you guys soon in jesus name i'm praying for you amen